Alright, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. Just a couple of quick announcements before we begin. The first is, I would like to give a big thank you to everyone who listened to the recent Anything Goes Friday segment about the largest manhunt in the history of Texas, and the majority of the source material came from the book Lone Wolf Gonzalez, Texas Ranger by Brownson Mulls. And I concluded my discussion series on the Phantom Killer here on this channel, and one of the big pieces of reference that I used was that book, Lone Wolf Gonzalez, Texas Ranger, because Gonzalez was an, an involved investigator in several different true crime cases that are featured in his biography by Brownson Malls, The Phantom Killer Mystery, which was the one I was most curious about. But I've also done episodes on the 1927 Santa Claus bank robbery, and as previously stated, the largest manhunt in the history of Texas. There are more than a thousand episodes of Black Box Online Radio, so I invite you to like and subscribe. And to those of you out there who absolutely love podcasts, this show is also available on Launchpad One. There's a link to that in the description box. You can download the audio version as a pure podcast, take it on the go anywhere and anyhow. Be one of the thousands of people to download Black Box Online Radio. And a true, true crime news, Zodiac Killer news statement. The podcast, Serial Killers Eat a We'll be releasing some new episodes about the Zodiac Killer in the near future. That is a Zodiac Killer original production, and I am the narrator of that one as well. And please look out for that one on Spotify as well as anywhere you get your podcasts, including iHeartRadio. Serial Killers E to A, the first series, is dedicated to the Zodiac Killer. And if you would like to support any of these efforts, you can go over to buymeacoffee.com. There's a link to that in the description box. That allows you to make a donation or contribution to help support the show. Buymeacoffee.com is also a, something that can be shared on all social media if you so choose. But more importantly, anybody who makes a donation or contribution will get a shout-out here on Zodiac Mondays. And the final announcement is, for this week's Anything Goes Friday segment, I will be getting back into the world of Stephen Avery and Making a Murderer. And I'll be doing a book discussion on Convicting Avery. So lots of things to tune into, so please feel free to like and subscribe, and look out for some discussions here on BBO Ward, not only book discussions, anything under the sun and in the darkness will be covered on the Anything Goes segments, as well as the Wednesday shows featuring lots of things about serial killers. I think that in terms of Zodiac Killer news, the absolute biggest story of the last seven days has been an article that came out in LA Magazine talking about Jared Kobeck and his Zodiac Killer suspect, Paul Doerr, D-O-E-R-R. -R. But one thing that I hope is going to be Zodiac Killer news in the near future is a new series of episodes will be available on BBO War starting this weekend about the Zodiac Killer. Please look out for a special bonus episode about some material that I've never covered before on the channel. And I can't even tell you too much. I am indeed sworn to secrecy in not only the personal sense, but also the legal sense about what's going on with the Zodiac Killer mystery. But you won't have to wait long to anyone who's listening to this as it comes out live. Saturday, there will be a special bonus episode talking about more Zodiac Killer news. But for the time being, let's discuss Paul Doerr and his recent feature in LA Magazine. The title of the article was 
Has the Zodiac Killer mystery been solved? Parentheses. Again? Question mark. Absolutely amazing. And I do have to give credit to the author of this text, whose name is Aaron Gell, G-E-L-L. And this appears to be someone who is, again, approaching it from a thoughtful standpoint. And it doesn't appear to be overly harsh on Kobeck. It doesn't appear to be overly cozy to him. The um, article that was featured in LA Mag seems to provide somewhat of a balanced take on the subject. But one of the uh, points is that Jared Kobeck is the author of two Zodiac Killer books. One of them is Motor Spirit, which I've done a book discussion about here on the channel in two parts. Another one is called How to Find Zodiac, which I am currently reading, and I did my first response last week on the Zodiac Killer News Report, and later in this episode I will be talking about the book Motor Spirit. But as Paul Doer's own daughter pointed out, these books cost seventeen ninety five, and even though the book lists her father as the as Kobeck's prime suspect in the Zodiac Killer mystery, she was reluctant to buy it. I also held out for quite a while. And another thing that I thought was really interesting about this article in the in LA magazine was that these books have not come out last week or last month. They've been out for several months now. But as Aaron Gell reminds us, there wasn't an enormous media firestorm coming out from the uh, publicity teams and the news media saying, oh, has the Zodiac Killer case actually been solved? Because most people just moved on and ignored them. I was one of them. I didn't start reading them until about a month ago. But yes, after some consideration, though, Gloria, the daughter of Paul Doer, believes that she um she might be leaning toward the possibility of her father being the Zodiac Killer, and that there could have been some uh, truth to Jared Kobeck's findings. I'd like to read a little segment of the LA Magazine article. The Zodiac Killer, who is linked to a series of late 1960s attacks in the Bay Area, employed a shifting M.O. Often he shot his victims, but on one especially macabre occasion, clad in an executioner's hood, he tied them up with a knife. He tied them up and used a knife. Though he mostly attacked young couples around Vallejo, he also murdered a cab driver in San Francisco. Officially, he is believed to have killed just five people and severely injured two, but his modest body count has far been outstripped by his well-tended mystique, bolstered by a sinister handle and a practice of firing off letters and other authorities. Letters to the media and other authorities, excuse me, often including mysterious ciphers and a sign cross circle logo. Okay, so um, this guy, Aaron Gell, is apparently onto some of the basic facts because if it weren't for the letters and the ciphers and the phone calls and the car door message at Lake Berryessa, would people have the fascination with the Zodiac Killer mystery? That can be a very simple challenge question to you. You can give your response to that in the comments section down below. I would say almost certainly not. Yeah, some true crime buffs would point to it. Um, maybe if there was a witness surviving like Brian Hartle from Lake Berryessa who told the story of the costume with the circle and the cross going through it. I mean, perhaps there would be some fascination, maybe even more fascination than other cases. But if it weren't for the letters and the ciphers, absolutely less people would 
be talking about the case because it just adds an additional element to analyze. People who are running websites as well as publishing books exclusively devoted to the Zodiac Killer's communications because I said letters and ciphers and the uh, car door message, right? It's not only that stuff. There are also the greeting cards, and some people think that the Halloween card, as well as the uh, Peek Through the Pines card, are the ones that actually have all the info that is going to solve the mystery. There's so many different parts that people can analyze. Someone is going to become a cipher specialist. I'm sure a few names are already coming to mind when you hear that term. Other people are going to be more into behavioral profiling and looking at the type of person that would not only commit crimes, but also take credit for them in a braggadocious way. So that's what I think um, the fascination is. There are just so many different angles that people can use to examine them. But let's get back to the article. Perhaps his greatest cultural contribution, if one can tell, is that he popularized a tone of smoke superiority that attention-hungry outcast, both fictional and real, such as somebody like Hannibal Lecter or the Riddler, from the Batman movie, to the aforementioned Ted Kaczynski, those are examples of fictional and real killers, and a substantial subset of 4chan dwellers have sought to emulate ever since. Meanwhile, his cryptic puzzles brought a seductive element of interactivity to the crime-solving era. And, um, I mean, I definitely agree with all that, and when it comes to serial killers like Ted Kaczynski, though, it's important to remember that he is a Zodiac killer suspect, and you can share anything you like about Ted Kaczynski in the comments section down below if you think he is a reasonable suspect, or if not, provide your reasons why. And the Riddler that was featured in the recent Batman movie with Robert Pattinson was directly based on the Zodiac Killer. Now I'd like to move ahead in the article a little bit, because we want to hear about how does Jarrett Kobeck land on this suspect, Paul Doerr? Kobeck knew a bit about the early years of sci-fi and fantasy fandoms, how these communities had begun taking shape around an array of obscure self-published zines. On a hunch, he did a quick search for fanzines and Vallejo. That's how he stumbled on a suspect of his own, who had somehow escaped attention for five decades. The second hit for Kobeck's search was on a zine called Type Beam. In it, he noticed a letter to the editor by a man named Paul Doerr, who criticized the Postal Service and suggested citizens fight back by addressing their letters with one-son stamps. Kobeck immediately thought of another piece of correspondence mailed by the Zodiac Killer to attorney Melvin Belli and postmarked around the same time with six one-son stamps. Just a coincidence? Nothing to get excited about, he thought. This was precisely the species of random fluke that got Zodiac researchers into trouble. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I don't mean to interject too much, but uh, that is somewhat of the point. I think that um, interjections will be required as they are due. Well, yes, I mean, one cent stamps. You're going to have to do a lot more about how about something like DNA or fingerprints or maybe discovering the Lake Berryessa hood or um, some type of matching to a witness description, you're going to have to do a lot more than one cent stamp, so you shouldn't even think twice about something like that. I mean, especially knowing how easily available they were. I mean, have you ever seen one cent stamps? I sure did as a kid, right? 
Although Kobeck might indeed hate the internet, he's highly attuned to its utility. He searched Paul Doer. He searched the address. Doer, it immediately became apparent, had left behind an abundant paper trail, copious amounts of letters to the editor, a slew of classified ads and articles of his own. Kobeck spent the next dozen hours glued to his couch reading Doer's works. Some of the writing had an oddly familiar ring, but Kobeck remained skeptical. I'm like, this is too crazy, he says. I don't want to do this. He's not Zodiac. When he discovered Doer, he had some published scenes of his own, some of which were held by various libraries. He resolved to track them down. The first one he came across was Habitalia Volume 1, including included a detailed discussion of Tolkien's fandom use of the author's fictional runic language called Sirth for creating codes and ciphers. Cipher spells C-Y-P-H-E-R-S, mind you, published in 1970, just when the killer was posting letters with the ciphers of his own. It is included as an example of bearing some resemblance to the Zodiac's handiwork. And like Zodiac, Doer had used an arcanine spelling, an arcane spelling, excuse me, of the word cipher. That's spelling it with the C-Y. Huh? Is the next line that's actually written out. And as I said, um, the um, the author of this LA Magazine article does give a healthy dose of skepticism. Like, all right, where are you going with this? I mean, you found that he, write, he wrote letters to the editor? I mean, I'll give you a challenge. Can you think of a Zodiac Killer suspect? Off the top of your head, who wrote letters to the editor? I mean, already I'm thinking of three. No, wait, four. I mean, like, this is something that people did. I have written a letter to the editor in the past, and, like, I mean, have you ever either done that or contemplated doing that? And I, I get where the um, writer's saying, well, how's all of this tied together? Kobeck kept digging. In Hobbitalia Volume 2, Dora expressed enthusiasm for the Society for Creative NR. An anachronism, I can't talk today, I'm sorry, a group devoted to medieval cosplay, as good as an explanation as anyone had for the executioner's hood worn at Lake Berryessa when two college-age picnickers were attacked on September 27th of 1969. It turned out that a renaissance fair was taking place in the same area on that very day. No, I'm not impressed by that at all. I mean, excuse me if I don't sound extremely open to the idea like what on what on earth is he talking about? I'm I'm I mean I don't see an ounce of, of connection between the Zodiac Killer's Lake Berryessa costume and a Renaissance fair. Is there something that would suggest that this was a Renaissance costume? Was he carrying some type of medieval-looking sword or a mace or some type of cudgel or flail or some? thing that just screams medieval renaissance fair. No, he attacked them with a knife. He was carrying a handgun, for goodness sakes. It could have been a forty-five caliber handgun, based on some observations that Brian Hartnell made when they asked him to look at different types of handguns. And Brian Hartnell said that it may have been the forty-five. That seemed like the closest resemblance. Yeah, okay, that seems like something that someone would bring to a renaissance fair when they're playing apart. Right, right. I absolutely do not think that's a solid observation on Doer's part. Oh, not Doer's part, on uh, Jarrett Kobeck's part. Another of Doer's scenes was called Pioneer, which focused on survivalism. One issue contained instructions for making a bomb with ammonium nitrate and fertilizer known as the ANFO formula. The same formula Kobeck noted that the Zodiac had outlined in one letter, and perhaps tellingly, 
both Dover's and Zodiac's instructions contained some errors. Well, um, that actually seems like to be something that is a little bit more substantial. And as I said, give credit where credit is due. That does appear to be um, a little bit higher on the totem pole in terms of something that is a link. I will give him that, but it could just be a coincidence. In other words, Kobach saw in Zodiac's particular obsessions an area of expertise that was sort of a mental fingerprint to help identify him. I mean, these are good these are solid points that Paul Doer has somewhat of a loose understanding of explosives, and as Kovac would point out that if he's making an error, the Zodiac only demonstrated a loose understanding of explosives, definitely not a very strong understanding of them, very mild, very weak. And the Zodiac also wrote in a letter that he wanted to detonate a bus bomb, but it turned out to be a dud because he got swamped out by the rain that they had a while back. So I think that um, that is just, could be anything, though. That could go either way. Kobeck spent nine days reading every scrap about Paul Doer he could find. In March, he compiled his findings in a sober 19-page document loaded with caveats. Well, was he drunk when he wrote the other stuff? He addressed the dossier to the Major Crimes Division of SFPD, and other relevant law enforcement agencies. Then he waited. It doesn't surprise him that the cops never reached out for additional information. And as I understand, though, if you just send in your Zodiac theory to law enforcement, they will not respond to you because they are too busy with crimes in the contemporary sense. Or maybe it's just um, they're simply uh, waiting to solve the case in a different way. I think that, um, you know, it could go either way. So um, I'm... I mean, you're just, I, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but you're not going to hear any results back. But um, the next part of the article does talk about how Jared Kovac does indeed contact Gloria, the daughter of Paul Doer, and they have several phone interviews with Gloria spanning three months, and they developed a highly complex portrait of her father, an eccentric outsider with sharp intellect and a wide range of interests. Though he never graduated high school, he had a lifelong, he was a lifelong autodidact autodidact. Okay, lots of new words for me. Sorry, I'm not a dictionary. Spending most of his free time in a reading chair, poring over everything from Edgar Rice Burroughs to Rachel Carson to tombs about ancient Egypt and witchcraft. Now, that could actually be somewhat important because some people believe that the Zodiac Killer's first cipher contained the message that when I die I will be reborn in paradise and those whom I have killed will become my slaves. And the thing about slaves in paradise comes from Egyptian mythology. I mean, so they say, so they think, this is an unsolved case, we aren't sure of the exact origin of that phrase. But I've talked about it a lot on this channel, that um, it was something I actually heard on the Bible Geek, when somebody sent in their Zodiac questions to that show, what is the origin of slaves in paradise, are there any religions that actually believe that? And I was hoping that he would talk more about the Filipino connection, because it appears that there is a belief system in the Philippines of that nature. But the answer that was provided was that the um, concept of slaves in the afterlife comes from Egyptian mythology when the pharaoh thought that when he died he would be reborn with his slaves. And as the Zodiac trying to turn himself into a pharaoh. And if you want an answer to that question, uh, please tune in to, for the Saturday bonus episode because... I might have a very good answer for you, and it's not even my own observation, but 
Someone has shared with me a possible answer to that. Now, Paul Doer openly promoted polygamy. He openly told this to his daughter, Gloria. He'd once lectured on the topic at Mensa meetings, but stuck it out for decades in a loveless marriage. He almost always carried a notebook, compass, penknife, sometimes a large hunting blade, as well as two loaded pistols, one in each pocket. I mean, that doesn't mean anything at all, but I, that does sound a little bit like what the Zodiac Killer would do in my mind. I mean, as as I said, I mean, I'm giving that point to uh, Jarrett Kobeck, mind you. That is one for him. Paul encouraged his daughter to be well-rounded. He tutored her in cryptography by devising a weekly puzzle for her to answer. So as you can see with this guy, uh, Paul Doer, he is very well-read, very familiar with lots of subjects, but not formally educated. And, um, there's also some other info about him. Paul Doer served in World War II and later in Korea. He had experiences that in his telling took on an air of adventure fiction. He described breaking the Japanese codes and then crouching for hours, half submerged in a swamp, tabbing out false messages to confound the enemy. Now, again, that does seem like something that is rather consistent with the Zodiac because the Zodiac is somebody who many people believe was in the military. Was he a World War II veteran or not? I have no idea. Korean War veteran? I have no idea. I'm really uncertain about that because that would mean that you would need a suspect in a particular age range. And so many people propose suspects who were just simply too young to have served in World War II, or some of them are even too young to have served in the Korean War. But, as you see, um, Paul Doer has familiarity with codes, he has familiarity with uh, certain aspects of military training, he liked to write letters to um, various media outlets, he liked to publish his own writings and findings, and he's also um, an asocial person, like, maybe I should say antisocial, not meaning like he doesn't like to talk to people, antisocial meaning going against the social norm deviant behavior, endorsing polygamy. And as I said in last week's episode, it's um, in Jared Kobeck's theory that the Zodiac symbol actually came from the militant group the Minutemen, because they used a similar symbol. And here's even another somewhat uh, controversial idea that is mentioned in the LA Magazine article. He started talking about how all those Jews didn't die in the Holocaust, and he's going on, oh, they're all a bunch of wine babies, wine spelled W-H-I-N-E. All right, need I say more? He is, um, he has uh, lots of controversial um, opinions and belief systems on many different things. So, what is your response to any of this? Do you think that the, um, Info that you have just heard about Paul Doer as a Zodiac Killer suspect has any value or merit? Or do you think that it's evidence against him? I mean, he's a Holocaust denier, more or less, based on that one sentence, if that is indeed true. Is there any of that info in the Zodiac's letters that would suggest that the Zodiac was either anti-Semitic or a Holocaust denier? Most of what I think of when I think about who the Zodiac Killer didn't like or what he didn't believe in was targeting the police officers, calling them the pigs or the blue meanies, and also taunting the police. Because the Zodiac is mostly taunting 
the police and the media. Granted, those are the two agencies that are trying to capture him, but there definitely seems to be more of a focus on that. And also, the Zodiac is very much full of himself as opposed to trying to tear down any particular race or group of people. Does it mean anything to you that Paul Doerr was not university educated? Because some people out there will simply state that they only think that the Zodiac Killer was a college graduate, university graduate, and then postgraduate educated. We're talking master's or PhD level because they find mathematical clues, or it appears that there is a high understanding of mathematics used in the um, Zodiac uh, creations, and that the solutions to the mystery might actually be very mathematical in origin. And also, the Zodiac is talking about radians and inches along the radians. Now, is this just some guy who has read lots of books? And um, again, someone who is well-read with uh, military training, and then he put it all together himself based on things that he just encountered? Or was he formally educated? You be the judge, and tell me what you think in the comments section down below. And as I said, I was already reading the books by Jared Kobach. I did the two-part discussion on Motor Spirit, and then I started How to Find Zodiac. And um, if, you're, if you like hearing about Paul Doerr, you're in luck, because this episode is going to have loads of things about him. And I would like to go to his book now, How to Find Zodiac, and talk about some of the things that are in the middle section of the book. In last week's episode, I was talking about the beginning. And these are just going to be a few notes that I had about his suspect, Paul Doerr, because he talks about something, by he, I mean, Jarrett Kobeck is talking about how there are religious movements that are taking place in the 1960s, and many people have noted that Jared Kobach seems to be much better at talking about the 1960s and 70s rather than going on and on about the Zodiac Killer. And it might have even been his original intention to write about just the 1960s and 70s. Motor Spirit is even more or less, the, the title that is more or less referring to the um, nasty vibes of the 1960s, so to speak. And I think that Do that Kobeck really excels in that way. Just these very broad statements and discussions about what people believed back then, as opposed to getting hardcore with the true crime analysis. I think he's much better at talking about abstract ideas as opposed to the facts of these true crime cases. And if you read Motor Spirit, it is filled with side notes and tangents and just little offshoots about... Charles Manson and Ronald Reagan. All right, sure, that stuff's going on in California, but Osama bin Laden, that stuff takes it a little bit too far. So I think it, that book would have been so much better if he structured it as Motor Spirit, the stories of the Zodiac, Manson, the political world, and mind control. Like, if he just made it about the 1960s and 70s as opposed to a true crime book. But if you'd like to hear more about the all the weird things that were going on during that decade. I have an episode called The 1960s One Giant Conspiracy here on Black Box Online Radio. As I said, I invite you to check things out all the time. Now, this stuff here I'm going to look at is from page 105 in Jared Kobach's book, How to Find Zodiac. Founded in 1968 by a man named Tim Zell, Green Egg began as 
a house newsletter for a neo-pagan religion called The Church of All Worlds. The inspirations for this religion were Ayn Rand's Bible of Greed and Robert Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land. Stranger had it all. Free love, a mystery, religion, telekinesis, and a horny Martian. Oh, thank God someone wrote a book about a horny Martian. We need more of that stuff. Sarcasm. It's been said that Heinlein wrote the novel as a parody of the new American spirituality. When it was published in 1962, it was deadly serious. The Martian and Stranger comes to Earth and teaches the planet's inhabitants how to get groovy. He says Martian things like thou art God. He teaches Martians to grok. Do you grok the sexy groove? Time, asked the Martian. For hundreds of pages, the Earthlings answer yes. And then, um... He names it a religion, the Church of All Worlds. So, um, there is, uh, some just origins of the ideas that appears this guy, Zell, was heavily influenced by a stranger in a strange land. And believe it or not, when it comes to persuasion tactics of 20th century cults, you will encounter the stuff on Stranger in a Strange Land, as well as partnered with Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. A lot of people think that some of the less famous cult leaders put those two things together. And then just neuro-linguistic programming. I don't mean to go off on too much, but saying certain words that trigger certain responses in the brain, and they put all of this stuff together. Like, maybe you'll hear even some YouTubers talking about how that you have a true identity and a true being that is in another dimension, that is connected to you, that knows everything that you're thinking, but you don't know everything that your true identity is thinking, and if you could just make them one and the same, then you would have absolute power, but you can't until you're dead, and the only people who can are the ones who have been transfigured. I've been transfigured, and I can tell you what your true identity is saying, but the only way you can get it is if you listen to me and send me four monthly payments of nineteen ninety-five. Please do not do that. But there are people out there who are um, using these types of ideas that were made popular at the time as some sort of a grift. And, um, as I said, um, uh, Jared Kobach likes to talk about this stuff, but now is the Zodiac Killer actually influenced by these things? If anything, he seems like someone who was so against the grain that he would be opposed to them. But Doer didn't realize that he was writing for publication. Zell published every correspondence that he received from Doer, regardless of whether or not the correspondent intended the letter to be published in Zell's Green Egg. Kobach gave this editorial policy a name. Paul Doer's dream. And um, so, as you see, he's getting his message out there some way, somehow. And there is um, something that is even more fascinating about Paul Doer on page 138 in the book. Paul Doer liked to write in all caps, like capital letters, all the time. The Zodiac Killer did not. But what's interesting is that there was the Riverside Confession that was mailed in 1966, after the murder of Sherry Jill Bates, who was thought to have been either the first Zodiac victim or one of the first potential Zodiac victims. I put her in the potential category. I do not believe she's a confirmed Zodiac victim. She was murdered on October 30th of 1966, and then three pieces of writing came in afterwards. First, the Riverside Confession in November of 1966, then a poem was discovered on a desktop 
in the Riverside City College Library in December of 1966. Then in the spring of 1967, there are three handwritten letters that say either Bates had to die, there will be more, or she had to die, there will be more. But the Riverside uh, Confession is typed and written in all capital letters. Now, did the Zodiac Killer do that? Well, what if the person who was responsible for these crimes was altering their writing style? And what if there was a specific date that you could pinpoint when they decided to start altering their writing style? And page 139, Paul Doerr's next fanzine, Pattern Number 2, was published in March of 1969. It was like Pattern 1, except two illustrated pages accompanied by four pages of text and... Doer had abandoned all capital letters. So, Paul Doer has altered his writing style right before the Zodiac comes out with his handwritten letters that are not written in all capitals. Does that mean anything to you? It would, but I think from the from reading Motor Spirit, if I recall correctly, Paul uh, Jared Kobeck doesn't believe that Paul Doer committed the Bates murder. I do um, think that that is... An interesting observation all the same, though, that maybe there, you know, just this is an if, 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 if there was some type of specific reason or date even. You don't even need the reason that they could pinpoint when this individual changed the, um, changed the, the particular writing style. What do you think? You can answer in the comment section down below. So... I would like to go to one final observation for this episode from the middle section of the book, How to Find Zodiac, by Jared Kobeck. And this is from page 144. This, again, I think is one of the stronger parts of um, Jared Kobeck's theory involving Paul Doerr. In two of Doerr's three texts, the ones predating Lake Herman Road, there was a commonality. Whatever their stated topic, what stood out was... Doer's anger toward hippies and the counterculture, and his, wait for it, threats of violence against the young, the dropouts, and the freaks. Of the Zodiac's seven known victims, five were students. The remaining were, two were 19 and 22 years old. With Patter, number two, the first publication after the Lake Herman Road murders on December 20th of 1968, the threats disappeared. Paul Doerr might make fun of hippies, but he stopped writing about poisoning them. The theme does not recur in any subsequent mailings or fanzines. Now this is going to require a couple connecting dots on our part, but I think that you are perhaps on the same page with as me when you can get the idea 100% crystal clear. What Kobeck is trying to say is that this guy was threatening people, he's saying these ridiculous violent things, and then if, if, if the suspect actually committed murder, there was no reason to threaten anybody in a magazine. He doesn't need to hide behind the typewriter anymore, writing in his all caps. He's done it in real life, and he doesn't want to draw attention to the fact that he has done it in real life. And even, even in March of 1969, he's going to alter his writing style so that people aren't going to be thinking that it's the same person. All right, I follow everything that you're saying, 
Kobeck. But is that what really happened? Um, you know, and because let's also be very clear, Jared Kobeck's a decent storyteller. Jared Kobeck is a decent writer, and he's good at putting all these ideas together and creating a narrative. And there's some cleverness that does go into his work. But was Paul Doer actually the Zodiac? A lot of that stuff is coincidental, circumstantial. But you be the judge. I just wanted to point out that I can comprehend some of the points that he is making in his presentation. What do you think about that? Right now, I would like to move on to the next segment here on the Zodiac Monday. And this is going to come to us from Dane Ross, who sent this into the Instagram page. Anybody can write the show at blackboxnet88 on Instagram. There's also a Facebook page and an email address posted in the description box. And Dane writes, Hey, I'm one of your subscribers on YouTube. Just had an idea on how the Zodiac case will probably be solved in the future, and thought I'd share it with you. So there's been a lot of improvement with machine learning these days. For example, facial recognition, art, chess, etc. I'm sure you know how it works, but in case you don't, here's a simplified description. In machine learning, there are two essential there are essentially two AIs pitted against each other. We'll be using the art machine learning process as an example. One AI creates a fake piece of art, and the second AI is tasked with determining whether or not the first AI's picture is real art or fake. Each AI has a slight variation in its coding. If the first AI tricks the second AI, its new coding stays. If the second AI detects that it is a fake, its coding stays. They leave their simulations running for thousands of cycles, with both AIs improving exponentially until they end up with the first AI with the ability to create amazing art. How they did it with facial recognition is by having the first AI showing the second AI different photos of the same person and other times two different people until the second AI could spot the difference every time. I believe... Once someone does the same thing with a process of handwriting, maybe they could use DMV records or location and time and era. We know the Zodiac must have had a driver's license, and likely he signed some sort of documents at some point. Maybe even some documents in plain sight and could be hidden with his plain handwriting. Anyways, I just thought that you could make a good use. YouTube video about this. Uh, Dane, thank you so much for sending this in to the Instagram page. And I really thought that when I was first reading that message that what Dane was saying is that they're going to go look at the composite sketch and compare that to different suspects until they get a match. That, I think, is a bit of an uphill battle because that's, of course, not a photograph. That's an artist rendering based on someone who saw the Zodiac, more than one person, of course, but I think you get the idea. But to use handwriting, that would be something that's a little bit more admissible in court, so to speak, or that handwriting experts, well, it would be beyond handwriting experts, using AI to identify somebody's handwriting, going through thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of cycles and finding out, yes, this is the person's handwriting. No, no, it doesn't just look similar. This is the person who wrote it, and these are the um, 
very intricate and technical reasons why. I was even trying to think about how I would fudge the facts with some sort of technical jargon. And as Dane was fair to say, um, I, well, or Dane kind of asked me, rather, are you familiar with artificial intelligence? Mostly not, but I think that that's a really solid observation. And what if they could find, firstly, using this method, that these letters are authentic and these letters are not? That's the stuff that I've been so amazingly curious about over the last couple weeks, months, or years, because there's just such a big debate from people. Were these letters actually written by the Zodiac Killer? Were they copycats? Were they letters that were written for some other different ulterior motive? Like, for example, one guy um, proposed the theory that his Zodiac Killer suspect was murdered in 1974 by his own daughter, and that she wrote the Red Phantom letter, also known as the Count Marco letter. So, I can see how uh, people are um, formulating different theories, but what if you could actually get answers? Amazing stuff. Okay, so, the um, next part of the show that I would like to talk about would be continuing with the discussion on Sign Z by Edwin Baird. How did the Zodiac Killer create the persona, the serial killer who operated in California in the 1960s, as well as mailing in all these letters and making the phone calls. Why? What is that coming from? And Ray Grant, author of Zodiac Killer Sold, as well as the novel Zodiac Killer Dreams, was even composing a list of some of the possible Zodiac influences in chronological order, which I read off during last week's Zodiac Killer News Report. But to talk about one specific item on the list... I completed the story, Signed Z by Edwin Baird, which was originally published in Detective Story magazine in 1921. If you didn't hear that episode, which was two weeks ago, then I would like to just give you some of the major points. Number one, there is a serial killer out there on the loose named Z. And not only does he commit murders, he also calls them in, and he says... This is Z calling. And then he takes credit for a crime. And then there's this very mumbled, almost inaudible or written, distinguishable term that says something about apple seeds. And people just have no idea what to make of that. It's just kind of a confusing thing for someone to say when they're trying to commit a murder. But there are multiple crimes that took place. And, oh, um... I don't want to misstate any of the facts or give any type of spoilers, so I won't tell you like what the uh, stuff actually means, but the um, crimes were committed with... Uh, the first two were committed by Gunn in the Zodiac Killer Mystery, the Blue Rock Springs shooting and the Lake Herman Road murders, although in reverse order, and in Signs E by Edwin Bear, they're committed by knife, and then the killer changes his method with the third crime, just the way the real Zodiac Killer changed his method with the third crime, moving on to the Lake Berryessa stabbing. But an interesting note about the story Signs E by Edwin Baird is that the Zodiac, the killer named Z in this one, excuse me, again, in, in the story, Z, a serial killer, is targeting banksters, the presidents of banks, and if you do read the story, you will find out why. But 
does that uh, all I'll say is that there's a there's a specific reason. It's not an accident, it's not a coincidence. They're not just easy targets. The Zodiac killer is targeting people who are younger in the teens and 20s. Even Paul Stein, the final Zodiac killer victim was only 29 at the time he was murdered. So does that not suggest something that he has some issue with younger people? And the letters and the ciphers and the phone calls are mailed where? To the police and the media, especially the media. The phone calls, of course, are going to police dispatchers, whereas the first letters are mailed to the San Francisco Examiner, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the Vallejo Times-Herald newspapers. And I just want to ask you this. Do you believe that the Zodiac Killer could have some type of personal, first-hand connection to newspapers or law enforcement? I'm not just talking about some guy that liked to read the newspaper, maybe working for one, maybe he worked in law enforcement. And as Thomas Henry Horan, author of The Myth of the Zodiac Killer, likes to remind us that in the 1960s, there was this type of interlocking relationship between law enforcement and the newspapers that many newspaper journalists were at the crime scenes as well, and they were taking notes that would even be used by the police. So there is some type of overlap between these professions. And even if you don't accept that, journalists are reporting on the stories. But where are they getting their stories from? Well, things that police officers are investigating. Do you think that there was some type of connection there? I would say 90% yes, 10% no. Very, very strong possibility that the Zodiac Killer either worked in one of those professions at one time, or maybe had a very close secret pal who worked in one of those professions at one time, either law enforcement or journalism. But what do you think? You can put your answers in the comments section down below. And the final thing that I would share with you on this Zodiac Killer News Report is that we are approaching the anniversary of the Lake Berryessa stabbing, the third crime in the Zodiac's crime spree, which occurred on September 27th of 1969. Another year has come and gone, and we have seen the passing of the murder of Cecilia Shepard, and I hope that everyone is remembering her and saying rest in peace. And there will not be an episode that is going to be coming out in um, as an anniversary or memorial other than this segment. September 27th, I believe, is a Tuesday. And it's going to be truly a day of mourning. And as Brian Davis, the host of the Tate LaBianca radio program, said that he, he stopped doing anniversary episodes for the, the Tate LaBianca victims, saying that we can use it as a day to truly let the victims rest in peace. So um, that's the way that I'll be approaching it on um, Tuesday. However, I would just like to use this Monday as an opportunity to say one more time, rest in peace to Cecilia Shepard. And one day, one day, I hope that her killer is identified, there is closure, the story is put to rest, and that we actually get answers. And maybe it'll be done by through using AI to identify somebody's handwriting or fingerprints, or perhaps it'll be done in a different way, where people are going to be finding some type of DNA. Maybe they'll even discover the Lake Berryessa hood buried somewhere, or even in somebody's attic in a box, 
and it'll have Cecilia Shepard's blood on it, or Brian Hartnell's blood on it. They'll be able to do some definitive DNA connection, and they'll be like, yep, this is the real thing. So um, that could put an end to the um, Zodiac Killer mystery. Something like that, I think, could solve the case. But I'm very good, curious about how artificial intelligence will be used in the future. And uh, you heard a lot of things about Jared Kobeck and his suspect, Paul Doerr. I think it's really odd that I kept switching up um, Paul Doerr and Jared Kobeck's name, saying Paul Doerr when I meant to say Kobeck, because this is a book about Doerr, written by Kobeck. But um, I don't think that's uh, too shocking. I mean... Jared Kovac has put his reputation on the line by putting out these two Zodiac Killer books, and I um, would really hope that he had good intentions. All right, I follow his narrative. That just means he arranged it in somewhat of a reasonable order. I hope that he has good intentions and that he believes everything that he is saying, because if he just decided to pull a new suspect out of nowhere and then make the pieces fit so he could write a book, that would be fraudulent. And I don't know what happened. I mean, obviously, I have no knowledge that he is a fraud. I think that Motor Spirit is definitely not a fraudulent book. Definitely not. It's just his commentary saying his own observations. Oh, he thinks that um, this happened for this reason, that happened for that reason. The Zodiac Killer chose his symbol because it was from the Minutemen, the Zodiac intentionally misspelled words for this reason, and so on. He did it on purpose. So, as you see, I mean, he's just giving his ideas on the subject. Not all of it's Zodiac-related, but that doesn't make him a fraud. Now, with this stuff about Paul Doerr, if he didn't believe that these observations were true, that'd be fraudulent, and I do have my doubts about him from time to time, but overall, I would say... No, he isn't a fraud. He's just somebody who proposed a different suspect, a new possibility, and wants to see where his story can go. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. You can also get me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box. And there is always BlackboxNed88 on Instagram. And I will see you over there for the bonus podcast. Goodbye.